Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode with Alinka Rutoska. Today, we'll go through the 17 steps to creating a best-selling business book. You've done a variety of, from, from a book to articles that I've seen, where you've taught people how to create a best-selling book. I'm looking right now at a Forbes article that you did, 17 Steps to Creating a Best-Selling Business Book. Um, would you, let's just go step-by-step step through those through those points and, and uh, maybe teach our audience um, your, the tips and, and secrets that you're willing to share about how to create a best-selling book. So number one on this list is positioning. What do we need to know about positioning the book? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, my book, Outsource Your Book, is actually based on this list because uh, I first wrote the article and then I thought, you know, I can actually uh, dig deeper and <laughs> share more. Um, and yes, the first one is positioning. What I understand by positioning, same as you position your business, uh, the book needs to fit in and stand out. What does that mean? It needs to fit in a certain category. So when you go to Amazon and you look at categories, you want this category to already exist. So for example, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about authorship. Let's say we're going to do a book about uh, writing a book. So you want a category such as authorship or writing skills to already exist. This tells you that there's an audience, that there are people who will actually want to buy a book like that. Okay, so once that's, once that's done, it fits in, we want it to stand out. So why would somebody buy your book as opposed to all the other books on the bookshelf? And for Outsource Your Book, uh, the answer is all the other books are on how to write a book. This book is on how to get your book done without writing it. And that's the positioning of this book. I love it. Number two on your list is outline. What do we need to know about the outline? The outline, so there are two, two, two ways of writing a book. One is um, two types of authors or writers. One is the plotter and the other one is the pantser. So the plotter plots it out or writes the outline and the other one sort of flies by the seat of their pants. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, whatever that they write, whatever they feel like writing. Uh, the way we do books, you know, we're structured, we have a process. So uh, the first thing we do is an outline. And the outline for a nonfiction book can either be chronological if you're doing a memoir, biography type of thing, or in many cases, it will be a framework. So for example, for, uh, how I, for outsource your book, the outline is the article you're looking at right now. For um, how I sold 80,000 books, the outline is the framework of the marketing mix, the four Ps, product, place, price, and promotion. Very easy. It can be a framework uh, that already exists. Uh, the marketing mix already existed. I didn't invent it. I just uh, used it to talk about book marketing. So that's the outline. Okay. Number three, getting the ideas out of your head. What do we need to know about that? So once you have the outline, now we want to go deeper and start asking questions. And you can either sort of stimulate your brain yourself and write whatever you know on the topic. Uh, you can also um, speak it to your phone, for example, 
or the way we do it is through interviews. So we have an interviewer who puts together questions and um, the author gets them to uh, digest them. Then they hop on a call and uh, ask the questions, ask follow-up questions. And the transcript of that is uh, what the ghostwriter then uses to ghostwrite the book. Is it a series of interviews or is it just one interview? It's a series of 12 to 15 interviews to produce a full-size book. Nice. Okay, step number four is transcript to manuscript. Exactly. So we have the transcripts and then uh, we have a ghostwriter that goes through all those transcripts and uh, the outline and puts together the, the, the manuscript. Okay, step five, developmental edit. The developmental edit is uh, basically making sure that it's all logical and makes sense that, you know, the beginning is at the beginning and uh, it all flows. There are no loose ends in fiction. That would be saying, uh, you know, that character that you said was about to jump from the bridge. You just left him there. You never <laughs> wrapped it up and told the readers what happened. So that would go into developmental editing in terms of nonfiction it could be something similar. Like, uh, you know, if you're talking about a biography, you could say, you know, you had an argument with that business partner and then you left it, never explained how it finished. That will be an unresolved uh, thread in the reader's mind and frustrating. <laughs> Potentially it could give you, could get you negative reviews or lower reviews. So that's developmental editing, making sure it's, you know, all, all well put together. Love it. Number six is copy editing. Copy editing is the dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure all the grammar is correct. Yeah. Number seven, interior layout and formatting. Right. So, you know, when you open up a book, uh, it has a certain layout, has margins, has a certain font size. Uh, uh, that's, that's, the, that's layout and formatting. Uh, number eight, an attention grabbing cover. Yeah, the cover is everything. <laughs> um, yes, uh, the cover is everything. So when you look at the best-selling uh, books in your genre, you want to make sure that your cover looks uh, like it was designed by the same people that designed those other best-selling books. Um, so it has to fit in, but also it needs to stand out. So you know it, it can't look exactly the same as some other best-selling book. Uh, that's just not right. The way we put together these covers is we ask our clients to uh, look with us at uh, best-selling books in their category and say which ones they like. So they will say, okay, we're going to look at the numbers. They will say, I like number one, like number two, five and 10. And then we will, we will put together based on their preferences, a couple examples of their cover uh, that we already approve of and like, and then they get to choose from covers that we already know will perform well. <laughs> I love that business concept. You don't give them a choice that you don't want them to take. You give them the choices you know will make them successful, whether or not they choose A or B. That's mm -hmm. a very smart business principle. <laughs> okay, uh, number nine, optimization for online sales. Uh, that's all the, uh, I would say, behind the scenes stuff. That's keywords, categories, um, making sure that uh, we use them also in uh, the title, in the description. That's where most uh, self-published authors fail because they have no idea uh, what's going on here. 
The funniest thing that I find in the KDP dashboard, which is what self-publishers use, is that there are seven keywords that you can upload and they say optional. You have to upload those keywords and those are not keywords as in words, those are strings of words. And uh, that's how your book gets found on Amazon. So don't, you know, uh, if you're self-publishing and you see optional uh, and anything you're doing with your book, it's not optional. <laughs> you have to do it. Uh, other one is with categories. Um, you really need to study categories and where to position your book. Bestseller, your bestseller rank depends on it. The more categories you get your book into, the more it's visible. Makes sense. But uh, mm -hmm. Most authors just sort of, uh, you know, fly through it and, you know, hit publish. And that's where, you know, these um, relative tragedies happen. And tragedies <laughs> meaning uh, only one or two copies sold. Yeah. Going back to the book cover, are there any specific secrets you have for people that are creating their own book cover of what will help their book cover sell? Yeah, don't create your own book cover. <laughs> um, hire a book cover designer, okay? not your friend that's an artist, a book cover designer. Uh, you can go to 99designs or wherever they do covers. <clears throat> doesn't have to be super expensive. Um, when you brief your designer, show them the best selling covers in your category and say, please emulate this cover and this cover and this cover. And then I'm going to choose. Um, it has to look good as a thumbnail. Uh, when you look, so you have to shrink it to the, you know, tiny little thing that you will look at that you will see when you browse books on Amazon. And it has to be clear what the book is about. So it means that the title will occupy half of the cover. Um, and you only want one image. So we're sort of one, um, one big image, like a whatever, typewriter, a book, a cup of coffee. The worst thing you could do is, uh, you know, recreate a scene from the book uh, and, 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 you know, force the, the reader to understand what you, what you want. Um, because the decision whether they're going to click on that book cover or not is instantaneous. It's just milliseconds, whether they're going to click on your cover or go to the next one. So you have to give them a really good reason to click on yours. They're not going to spend time to figure it out. Okay. Number 10 is have a captivating book description. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So you really need to explain what the book is about. Um, they should already have a good idea after looking at the cover. What we do is we follow the AIDA framework, attention, interest, desire, action. Uh, so, you know, we'll start with uh, something that will get their attention. If you've ever been to a, a jewelry store <laughs> uh, and interacted with some of those uh, sales people, then you will see that they first want to get your attention, right? To see this specific piece of jewelry, jewelry jewelry <laughs> then they will want to you know get you interested in it and then turn that interest to desire and finally you know get your credit card uh, digits and uh, that's the action so the same in our uh, description attention give them a reason to uh, start reading uh, this this book description interest get them interested then have them actually desire the desire is usually achieved by bullet points and saying th what they will um uh, benefits or what 
how their life will have changed after they read the book. And then an action is a call to action that literally says, grab your book now or scroll up to get your book now. That's the framework that we use. Thank you very much. Number 11, an outstanding bio. Many of our entrepreneurs are already high level uh, entrepreneurs, uh, but in some cases they have uh, applying bios. So we like to pick out the juicy parts and uh, um, lead with uh, the most powerful thing about them, knowing that in many cases, the reader will only read the first line. Yep. Yeah, so the mistake that a lot of people make in their bio is they start in chronological order and they start mm -hmm. with the first thing they did in their career and the first job they had, which is usually not the most impressive thing that they've done in their career. And so as you're recommending here, you start with the most compelling thing and then go from there. Exactly. All right, number 12, distribution. Distribution is a big thing. Um, what we do... Uh, right now is we distribute through Simon & Schuster. So we use their traditional distribution chain and get the books into bookstores. When you distribute through Amazon, it's really only available there. You can click expanded distribution, but that doesn't really get it into bookstores. It just uh, makes it available in a couple other outlets. Um, but as an independent author, you can go after independent bookstores and get your books in there. Um, you can do a lot of fun things uh, such as, uh, you know, uh, going to local hairdressers and have your books there. You know, people get bored sometimes at the hairdressers. They might want to buy a book. Uh, I've done that in the past. Uh, you know, just wherever, think themes. You know, if, you're, uh, if your book is on surfing, you might want to go to a surf store or even one that, where they rent equipment and sell your book there. Uh, because it's related. Uh, but the way we do it, um, you know, that was exciting when we didn't have <laughs> distribution. Now that we do have traditional distribution, uh, you know, we're all in uh, there. And so we're talking, you know, bookstores, airports, uh, and, uh, you know, the famous phrase, wherever books are sold. <laughs> when you put your book in a bookstore, compared to the traditional ways you sold it, maybe through Amazon, what percentage of your sales comes from the bookstore and what percentage of revenue does that bookstore take? When you go through traditional distribution, um, a lot of the margin gets eaten up by the various uh, middlemen, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So the distributor takes their cut, the retailer takes their cut. And, you know, in the end, there's not too much left. Uh, so in traditional publishing, you might have a book that's priced at, let's say, 20 bucks. You ask any author, any, any mainstream big time author what they make, they'll tell you they're, they're making a buck, a copy. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty I, much it. I have a good friend. She wrote a book and sold 150,000 copies and she only made $150,000 off of it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really worth it for her. Uh, so, so figuring other ways when you, when you go through a, a traditional bookstore distribution model, do they ever let you retain any of the rights to sell online or do self-marketing or, or pretty much if you go with that, those large publishing companies, do you give up all of the rights? Going through uh, traditional publishing 
or through the way we publish books and distribute them isn't in opposition to you marketing it uh, on your own and, and doing, right. for example, bulk sales and getting the book into, let's say, uh, you know, cruise lines and uh, gift shops and cruise lines. I've done that in the past, uh, right. had my books in, in their stores, and those were really nice checks <laughs> for uh, bulk purchases. But the biggest reason why an entrepreneur would do it isn't for, for the revenue from the sale of the book itself. They're doing it for exposure for their business or to build their personal brand, uh, to become a thought leader on the topic, to advance their career. What, what are some of the biggest reasons why, why you see people writing their own books? It's the ultimate instant authority and credibility builder. So what I've seen after we've worked with a client uh, for, before, the first thing on their LinkedIn profile was, you know, CEO of uh, insert company name. And now it's best-selling author of insert book name, uh, comma, CEO of like, their <laughs> company name. So they're really proud of it. And it is an instant credibility builder. If you're a speaker, you can increase your fees. If you're a consultant, you can increase your fees. Um, if you, uh, if you close business on the phone and you do sales calls, if you give your book to your prospect before the call, the probability of you closing that call is much, much higher because they yeah. come, you know, we talked about this at the beginning, they come warmed up and uh, almost ready to go as they already know the process, they're super informed. So there are so many reasons to do it. Um, the authority, the credibility, the conversion and the lead generation too. So, you know, um, how did the co-founder of DHL International find us? Like, we do a lot of uh, outreach. We reach out ourselves to entrepreneurs, but there's no way you can reach out to the co-founder of DHL International because he has gatekeepers everywhere. Right. But he was looking for help and he found Outsource Your Book. He got himself a copy. He went through uh, the link that we uh, had there, went through the funnel, booked himself on a call with me. And then I see on my calendar, you know, DHL email. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I see this is the co-founder. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I think to myself, well, yeah, books work as lead generation tools. And uh, I think every business should have one for lead generation, lead conversion and authority. Yeah, I love it. Okay, number 13 on the list is launch. The launch, uh, so much to be said about the launch. Uh, our USA Today bustling launches, we orchestrate uh, six, seven months ahead of time. So we already know which week it's going to be um, and uh, set everything up. We need to sell about <clears throat> 7,000 copies uh, during that week to hit the list. So it takes a lot of effort. Um, yeah, but, uh, but it's all doable. You know, uh, we were not born with the knowledge. We figured it out. So it can be done. And it can, it can be done also by individual um, authors if you start reading about it. And I published a couple articles also in Forbes uh, where I talk about how to hit the USA Today bestselling list. So that could be a good reading for later. Yes, definitely. Uh, talk to me about number 14, bestseller status. <clears throat> yeah, bestseller status. So we have Amazon bestseller status, USA Today, 
Wall Street Journal, New York Times are the big ones. Amazon is uh, relatively easy to get because there are thousands of categories and the rank changes every hour. So every hour you have a possibility to hit it. USA Today, there's only 150 spots on the list every week. So to be a top 150 best-selling book in the US, you need to sell about 6,000 copies uh, depending on the week. Wall Street Journal, uh, probably half of that, but that's only for business books. And New York Times is an editorial list. So you might sell enough books to get there, but they don't like your name, your face, or your publisher. And so they will not publish you on their list. Okay. Uh, number 15 is Conquering Libraries. Now, it's great to be in libraries. Um, you know, when you go through a traditional publisher, that happens um, automatically. It's being taken care of. Uh, before we um, achieved our agreement with Simon & Schuster, we ourselves developed relationships with about 10,000 uh, librarians in the, around the world, uh, mostly in the US. So we uh, have a service uh, where we recommend uh, independent books to librarians. And uh, it's always a good idea to go to your local library and bookstore and introduce yourself and say you're available because libraries tend to like uh, local authors very much. Yeah. Okay, number 16, pitching foreign rights agents. Again, this is an extra uh, revenue uh, stream. You do want to reach out to foreign publishers or usually through an agent to, excuse me, to sell them licensing rights to your book. And in many cases, when you hit the uh, bestselling status, they will reach out to you asking you if the rights to this specific uh, language and country are available, but it's good to be, act to be active, proactive. Let's say go and download the Frankfurt Book Fair's catalog, see who's uh, exhibiting there and uh, reach out to them and you know, see if they'd be interested in purchasing uh, licensing rights for your book. Yeah, I haven't thought about that very much. How do you find those people, those foreign rights agents? Yeah, you can uh, download the directory from uh, the, the Frankfurt Book Fair. Okay. And you have everybody's contact. Just make sure it's, you know, you're pitching, uh, you're not pitching, you know, romance publishers if you have a business book. Right. Okay, last one, number 17, your sales funnel. Right, so this makes me think about your friend uh, who sold 150,000 copies and made 150,000 bucks. <laughs> and I don't know what the back end there was, in many cases with traditional publishing, there is no backend because they don't want you to have your links to your own website. Yeah. They, they want links to their website. But if, if you, you can negotiate that, by the way. <laughs> so you can negotiate having a link to your own website and then potentially out of 150,000 people who got the book, uh, let's say that 1% bought something from you. So that's 1,500 people bought, insert the you know, your average price point. And, uh, you know, depending on that number, you can see what else, uh, you could add on top, on top of that 150 K. So adding upsells, upsells into the sales process. And a lot of people that sell them through their own websites, they add upsells such as the digital book, the ebook, or the, the, uh, audio book, or they sell a course or a video series or something. Um, or a series of somethings in addition to the book. 
I think that's a great idea. We recommend that all our authors do that. The only one that didn't was the co-founder of DHL International. I think he felt like he's good. <laughs> Already a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, but for everybody else, that's not at multiple billions. Uh, we <laughs> do recommend a link to your website that allows you to uh, sell more of your stuff on the back end. Thank you so much, Alinka, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, before we start the book, we need to choose our positioning so it fits in and stands out. We should also create an outline and write down all of our ideas to make it easier to write when we actually do that. Number two, once the book is written, we should fix all developmental and copy editing errors. Then it's ready for layout and formatting. Number three, the cover is everything. It needs to fit in and stand out so that readers will choose our book over others in the same category. Number four, using keywords and categories is how our book will get found on Amazon. The more categories we get our book into, the more visible it is. Number five, we need captivating descriptions and outstanding bios to get people interested in the book. Number six, if we are self-publishing, we can go to local bookstores and libraries to get our book into those places. Number seven, to achieve bestseller status, we need to prepare before the launch and sell about 6,000 copies the first week after launch. Number eight, we can use foreign rights agents to bring in extra revenue by selling our book in other countries. And number nine, we should link the book to our own website because we can add upsells into the sales process and earn additional revenue. To learn more about or connect with Alinka, you can find her on LinkedIn, visit her website at leaderspress.com, or you can buy her book, Outsource Your Book, to go deeper into each of these steps. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can get my free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in writing your best-selling book. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.